Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way I've heard month after month that it happens on the first week, uh, like Tuesday of the month. So all signs indicate yes. If it has been prophesied, so has it come to pass, because that is the name of our show. Welcome to On the Airte. I am Sam DeLev, and this is our Children of Airte after show, where I steal spoilers from our guests like so many mint copies of Action Comics number one. (laughs) And at last, I have managed to capture for this after show the glorious, the notorious, the one and only Adam Bradford, a.k.a. Silas Jordan, a.k.a. Silas Sorrell, a.k.a. D.B. Cooper, maybe. Probably. Maybe. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today, Adam. He was just a friend. (laughs) Please introduce yourself and your many, many aliases. Yeah, so I am Adam Bradford. I am the Chief Development Officer at Demiplane. Uh, You know, that is what I currently do. And that is a made-up title. So, um, you know, if anyone is wondering out there, I think that they typically use that most frequently in construction work. Uh, CDO is is something that happens, you know, in New York when they're doing these massive, you know, uh, complex things. But, uh, you know, I I think maybe it's a little fitting because we're making some pretty complex things here at Demiplane. And uh, when we thought about all the things that would be falling under the umbrella, that was uh, that was the one that seemed like it covered the most ground. So, so we ended up going with uh, with CDO, formerly VP of Tabletop Gaming at Fandom, uh, where I founded D&D Beyond. And uh, so I've been doing some digital tool set stuff for many years here and uh, also have uh, been able to uh, stream quite a bit across uh, the the last several years and have been playing games with a variety of incredible people. And I've made uh, lasting friendships and uh, the group that is, uh, you know, most near and dear to my heart is the group that we're currently playing with here with children of Erte. I've played with them now for, man, I guess, going on four years uh, and uh and it's it's just been such a blast to play with them uh a little bit uh you know else about me favorite color is gray um zodiac sign in real life is aries actually um it's silas is as well um and uh let's see what else can i say i i am a collector so you can see blurred out behind me if i ducked my head you would see with clarity and we would probably get some kind of copyright strike but um but blurred out behind me lots and lots of goodies 
that I uh, I do collect with absolute glee. I am a fan of many things, uh, including sports. So uh, congratulations to Aaron Judge tonight. It broke the AL home run record at 62. So good job, Aaron Judge. Um, but uh, but yeah, fan of a lot lot of those different things. That is me in a nutshell. And we in turn are a fan of you. My favorite thing about people with made up titles is that they almost always occur because we want this particular person and we'll figure out the rest later. But before we can talk about Adam and possibly about Adam's crimes. No, no, oh, sorry. Silas's crimes. Yeah, let's let's not get Adam in trouble here tonight. The FBI compels me to mention our sponsors. Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, we're giving away two codes. You can type code in chat for a free Electrum chest in-game. We have Die Hard Dice, purveyors of clicky clacky math rocks for the dice goblin in your life. Use code AIRTAY at checkout for a 10% discount. We will be giving doing a giveaway in chat during the stream and Sirenscape because epic games require epic music. And with these questions satisfied for our federal investigative agencies on with our show with one reminder you too can ask adam questions like does one really make a better living from stealing and fencing comics than from actually writing them by asking your question with question that in all caps <laughs> in chat but unfortunately i think you all will find i've appropriated the first questions for myself and i plan to use them and all the others for nefarious purposes. So we have Silas, a resident nerd played by Adam, a resident nerd put in a particularly good position to play a genre savvy character. The first one in this campaign to mention dungeons or dragons and an audience proxy for this audience who I have it on good authority are nerds. So how did you develop him and what made you want to play that flavor of character? Yeah. Wow. You're just starting off with, uh, with the ones that I could probably talk for three or four hours about, but, uh, mm -hmm. but I'll try to be brief. Um, yeah. So, so Silas came about because often in games over the years, I am the forever game master. So most of the time when I have played across the, gosh, last 30, 30 plus years, I guess, at this point that, uh, that I've been uh, involved in the hobby, it is running games. And so most of the time I am experiencing the wonder of the characters going through something, uh, you know, secondhand. And, um, you know, I know that the twists are going to come. Uh, you know, uh, not necessarily all of them, because obviously it's collaborative, and everything, but, you know, I, I've got a decent direction of, of where things are headed, typically. And so I really wanted with Silas to play a character that maybe could experience some of that wonder that I, especially when, when I was a kid, massive, massive fan of Chronicles of Narnia. And that concept, I used to, anytime I would you know, this is six, seven-year-old Adam. Anytime he would go to a new place, 
he would find the different types, you know, and of course it probably was not wardrobes. I don't even know if Adam, young Adam knew what a wardrobe really was, but any kind of cabinet that might possibly fit him, he was, he was tearing them open. People used to wonder what, what are you doing kid? And, uh, and, and I would be, you know, thinking that I was going to make it into a magical world. And so I think when I get the chance to play an actual character, much of the time I'm going to let, you know, sit back, let everyone pick their character and what they want to be. And then I'm going to say, you know, Hey, I'll be whatever the group needs. Or um, again, because I, I game master so much, it's like, I'm going to be a character that is going to just be a foil or it's going to be uh, some kind of archetype that uh, is, is going to, you know, make the story better overall, you know, some of the parts kind of thing. But with Silas, uh, I really wanted to just really lean into that wonder and that excitement as much as I could. And so uh, he, he does, he geeks out all the time regularly. And uh, that is an extension of, you know, honestly, uh, that, that's definitely something pretty personal I put into that. Like I said, fan of many, many things. I'm watching things constantly. I've got a TV right here and, you know, all this stuff. And, and I geek out in that same kind of way. And so that was going to be typically with a character. I want some kind of touch point, uh, something that uh, feels familiar to me uh, for that to kind of be the foundation that I can jump off of and then, you know, make some intentional differences, um, you know, with the character and, and me as Adam. And so I think that the touch point for Silas was just that, uh, that ability to geek out, that ability to experience wonder and, uh, and get really, really excited and passionate about things. So I know not everyone has the privilege of knowing the Adam Bradford, and especially with that kind of character, those without such privilege may not know where Silas ends and Adam begins. So which aspects of Silas are absolutely nothing like Adam? Yeah, that's it's a really good question. And uh, I, I actually appreciate the chance to, uh, you know, maybe clarify that a little bit here in front of everyone. <laughs> I I am not Silas Jordan. I, I, I am not Silas Jordan. I ran into this to some degree with, uh, you know, the former character that I played with, with much of the same group uh, in, um, you know, uh, Heroes of the Plains and uh, and when we were playing on D&D Beyond's channels, uh, Brib Steel Marrow. And so, uh, you know, I, I played that character for years. I adored playing Briv. It was it was so much fun. But Briv very much was not me. And it was very intentionally, you know, doing something very, very different uh, th than I was. I, th I think that, uh, you know, when I look back on Briv, the uh, the touch point that, that was familiar with me um, was uh, just his uh, his chaotic bent because especially when I play these games, I like the chaos. And so Briv was just an instigator and possibly an aggravator. And so you can ask my kids, I will certainly um, aggravate to no end. Um, and so, so, you know, that was kind of the touch point, but at the end of the day, Briv was kind of horrible a lot of the time. And the inspirations for that character were, uh, you know, somebody like Jane from Firefly or, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so Jane is not a character that you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Oh, he is a model citizen. And so, um, you know, that kind of approach, uh, sometimes I saw through the transference that happens with these games. Sometimes people would be like, 
oh wow adam that guy is so you know such an asshole like you know i'm like no 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 i'm i'm promise you I'm playing a character and I understand that in many uh especially if you're playing pickup games with people out there please don't play those kind of characters um because it's it's going to be hard for people to to have that social contract in place when you're doing that but with uh with the group that we are playing with here we discuss all of these character options we discuss you know what's going on there, there's a level of trust that we've built up over the years and so uh you know it's like hey i'm gonna lean into this and i think it's gonna make the story better and everyone really is game to try that out and so in a similar way you know i think silas um definitely that wonder and that passion is something that uh, that is pretty familiar to me uh in, in in this real world but um but he is you know condescending he's uh you know cynical sometimes about things you know th those are not things that describe me and those are intentional choices again to you know it's like i think a lot of people come together to play these games and they think that everyone wants to be frodo baggins and they they you know everyone wants to be at the center of the hero's journey uh you know when when they come together and i've found over the years that when you get a group of people, uh, especially if you're going to stream the show, who are willing to to play the different archetypes outside of the hero that is that is answering that call to adventure and going through the thresholds and and, and all those kind of things, I think that that just makes a richer story. And so so that really was the intent for Silas was you know, one part, what you alluded to earlier, uh, audience proxy. So it's perfectly on brand and perfectly fine for Silas to say, this is like a video game. We should watch <laughs> this like, like this video game or wow, this is so close to what I, I played in that D and D game, you know, and, um, and that allows for, for a little bit of the fourth wall breaking, which I love to do just in general, but, uh, but it, it allows for that. And it allows uh, for him to say things that the audience, is often thinking but then the other part of that is it allows him to start in a place and and grow over time and so i'm you know i'm thinking things like han solo like those are the archetypes that we're talking about he didn't go on a heroic journey but he was a scoundrel and possibly a punk that that people really couldn't like too much and then he does over time get that proverbial heart of gold and so uh you know playing those kinds of paths and those kind of journeys uh and these kind of stories is really appealing to me Han Solo is such a good pull and you heard it here first chat everything charming about Silas is Adam everything every negative character trait these are all Silas these are all Silas. Everything. I will always Adam. blame it on Silas. A hundred percent of the time. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. But bringing in all of that genre savvy and Kool-Aid manning through the fourth wall, how do you balance Ooh, yeah. that with uh, with a, with a healthy respect for the meta game? Sometimes it can serve a narrative, but how do you figure? Okay, that's a bit too much. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, uh, being perfectly honest, I think that I navigate that um, well most of the time, but it probably does not land exactly where it should, you know, always. And so that that is, you know, that is the beauty and the the scariness sometimes, but also just the the gloriousness 
of uh, of these kind of games is again, especially if you're playing with a group of people who you love and have trust with, and you're you're okay to explore some of those boundaries. Some of those risks that you take and some of those decisions that you make aren't always going to land the way that, especially that you intended them. Um, but you know, sometimes the way that you think they're going to, and, um, and, and, and like the way that you think people will receive them. And so, um, you know, I think that there are times where it doesn't quite hit like that, but I think that the main thing is that we're playing with, with a group here that even if Silas is, you know, flat out metagaming and, and he ends up breaking that fourth wall and he says, yeah, you know, I, I, I think an owlbear typically has this many hit points and, you know, like <laughs> all of those things. The great thing about it is that Deborah takes everything and turns it on its head. And so the genuine truth, we've talked about this with the players we don't actually know what's going on because it's like, you know, Hey, we're outside this cave. And, you know, if you're watching this, you're probably getting spoilers. So, so, you know, um, if you don't want spoilers, probably, you know, catch this a little later after you catch up, but you know, we're, we're in this cave and there are, uh, you know, I, I think ice methods is what Adam would guess, you know, like, I, I think that's probably what those were, but, they didn't necessarily behave exactly like an ice method, uh, you know, would, would behave. And so I think at the end of the day, she really is doing this wonderful thing of thinking about what works the best in this world that she's laying out in front of us. And, uh, you know, from there, it makes it almost impossible to metagame at least in an accurate way, right? And so it's like, even if you hear Silas saying things and Adam's winking at the camera as it happens, as a viewer know that uh, Adam is completely in the dark and doesn't actually know what, what's about to happen, even, uh, even if it kind of comes across that way sometimes. And the truth is, if Deborah keeps you in the dark and you don't, as Adam doesn't, have dark vision in your stat block, <laughs> then you can play to the top of your own intelligence and never really harm. There's no there's no harm that could be done. Uh, you're not yeah. going to reveal something you shouldn't know because you don't know it. <laughs> that That's exactly right. And, and again, like I think Silas... Um, that this is part of that personality that you know I am putting on for that character. He may act like he knows, um, but but he he doesn't actually know. Um, and uh, and and so I think you know even as a player, this is something that we talk about all the time. After playing you know these games in this hobby for so many years, I continue to be amazed at how much I still love it after all this time and you know I'm, I'm getting old and and but it's but it's like every time I come to play whether it is with my kids or um you know with this group that we play here uh weekly like this I am, am having a blast and I think one of the reasons for that is just this idea that it it is it is improvisation that it's like even if you are going through a written adventure that theoretically is on the rails, there are the opportunities within that to make those changes. And there are the opportunities for something that another player does to completely bust it wide open and for that to go in an entirely different direction. And so I think that especially with uh, with this group and with what's going on with Silas, 
with us as players, we genuinely have no idea. I, uh, you know, am, am a showrunner for, for what we're doing here. And I'm also playing in it. And I don't know where this is going. I have the broad strokes of what the concept of the show is. And from there, you know, just put some trust in Deborah that, uh, that she is going to lay out a world and then put trust in the other players that they are going to inhabit it in a way that is going to bring it to life in a really unique way. And I, and I think, you know, 20 something episodes in that has been happening. And I love being in the dark about that, even if Silas acts like he's not. Lord, grant me the confidence of Silas Jordan, a.k.a. Silas Sir L, a.k.a. D.B. Cooper, maybe, probably, maybe. <laughs> no, he was just a friend. He was just a friend. Just, just yeah. a friend. No, I don't actually even know. I don't think Silas is that old. I would have to. I, I don't know what D.B. Cooper's, but in that vein. Uh, so, so, yeah, there were there were lots of. Uh, you know, inspirations. I've already talked, you know, uh, from, from an arc perspective, definitely love the, the Han Solo kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think that probably the closest, I just asked myself a question, by the way. So I'd, sorry, I'm just going with this real quick about Doing inspirations crime. for the character. Um, but, um, but I do think that um, probably the chief inspiration is probably like a Scott Lang. So, so our beloved Ant-Man um, and, and just that idea of you know again some swagger involved in what is going on but does he deserve the swagger and uh, you know always because sometimes sometimes things are incredible and things go incredibly well but there's a self-deprecation to it um and there's definitely if it's not self it's a deprecation to it um and so like i think that um you know scott ling um, you know, the, the astonishing Ant-Man is, is probably, you know, I would say kind of the, the chief bit that I put into my Play-Doh smasher thing, uh, you know, probably for Silas, but definitely uh, some Han Solo uh, inspiration, a little bit of Star-Lord, but not the part that's going to let Thanos continue to take over the universe, not that part of Star-Lord, um, but, um, but definitely the idea that um, there was there was a, a comic series and, and, and here we go, but I'm going there. There was a comic series um, that uh, took place, um, you know, that I, we'll see if the new Avengers movies here in a couple of years go this route. But uh, Star-Lord was actually in a different kind of universe and uh, he was stuck there and he uh, became a lounge singer. So he was a lounge singer and he actually sang Disney songs, but nobody knew what the songs were. So, you know, that kind of concept of, uh, you know, uh, singing and basically constantly having your own theme music going in your head. Um, you know, that that's definitely another part that I put into the Play-Doh Smasher for Silas. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I love when people uh, have a mechanical profession that provides vocal inspiration, shall we say. Because it's such a wonderful opportunity to discover that someone you know, low-key, secretly, had a lovely singing voice this whole time. <laughs> so how do you choose the songs that get us and your party grooving? Uh, you know, honestly, um, most of the time... So, so let's be clear. Adam 
is would probably be singing 10 times more than Silas is in the show. But it's like, this is not, this is not a musical and Adam is, is not the star of the show. So, so I have to dial that back. Actually, I probably would end up singing almost everything that Silas says. Uh, but, but, but I try to keep it in check, probably have not succeeded very well, but, um, but yeah, I, I really do. Music is something that, uh, you know, I, I've said this before, I think somewhere else on, on a stream somewhere, but it's like when I saw the Miss Marvel Disney show, uh, Plus show and I saw all of the artwork blasting around and, and just the way that her daydreams manifested to that degree, that is something that uh, it's going to sound so silly, but but I felt kind of seen in that moment. Like I've tried to explain that to my family over the years and everything else. And it, it has, ne I've never been able. And, and then I was finally like, it's kind of like that, you know, and I'm trying to like show, show them in the show because I constantly, um, you know, one of the things over the years that I've struggled with and I've had to really learn how to do is how to not get distracted by the popcorn thoughts that are constantly, uh, you know, kind of bouncing around in my head. And so I think that, um, you know, it, it is something, uh, you know, really, really uh, core to, to who I am that, that I am, there's constantly a song, uh, you know, right now, I cannot tell you why, but right now it's, you know, I got a feeling, you know, like, like black eyed peas for some reason is going through my head right now, which I'm possibly a little bit embarrassed to admit, but, uh, but, but either way, like there's, there's constantly, um, you know, kind of this bombardment of, of those kinds of thoughts. And so when it comes to Silas choosing the music, it really is. It's like, I try to be as contextual as I possibly can be, but that is a very natural thing for, for Adam. And so like, if something happens, it almost always reminds me of a song like right away. And, uh, and then, you know, there are so many times where it reminds me of a song. And in that moment, I would blurt that out, but then this is a turn-based game often when you're in these situations. <laughs> and so then I'm like, it comes back around to Silas's turn. I'm like, ah, now the moment's passed. Like I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that one. But, uh, but, it, but it does, it, it, that part comes very, very naturally. And uh, you know, honestly um, I, you know, a, a little bit of a secret here. I am working on some, um, some musical content uh, that I'm going to try to get the cast involved in. Uh, to some degree. So, so there, there's a tease for everybody tonight. Um, but, but some musical content is going to be coming together and is going to be shared at some point, probably, I, I wouldn't say it's going to be this year because that's the kind of thing that I probably would do when I take three weeks off for the, the holiday break. Those are the kind of uh, projects that I love uh, jumping into, but, um, but I, I think some musical uh, content is going to come at some point. I'm very glad you, say so because Kasha's asked whether the this is not a musical thing you just said felt like somewhere Deb <laughs> just took down a note <laughs> maybe <laughs> perhaps yeah I mean all of the great shows have that musical episode anyway right <laughs> and so wouldn't wouldn't that be something now I would say that that one would probably have to be uh you know pre-recorded but um but I would not put it outside many many you know by the way far more talented than i am uh, we we have many talented 
uh, musicians and or singers on on the cast and so uh so it would not surprise me in the slightest if that ended up happening at one point a lot of uh you know what's working against us right now is just time and schedules but um but once we can slay those uh those beasts i'm sure that uh you know so much creativity uh, could come out in something like that time and schedules the cr20 monster 28 yes at this minimum is like right? kind of yes absolutely Oh my goodness. Uh, all right. So I'm speaking a little more recently. You, Adam Bradford, waited 19 metric episodes to reveal not just a bombshell of a backstory, but pretty much the whole dang bomb. So what made you feel like it was the right time to drop that big twist upon us, riding it like so much Dr. Strangelove, yeehaw? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, ultimately I, I, I started thinking through again, you know, I, I do to try to get in the headspace a little bit. Um, I will sometimes, and, and again, this, this sounds pretty silly, but, but, you know, these, these are the things that, you know, some of us streamers do, but I will watch some clips of, uh, you know, Scott Lang, um, you know, before, uh, my buddy, Paul Rudd. Um, and so he's not actually my buddy, but I wish he was. Um, but, um, but with that, uh, you know, as we're, you know, I'm watching some of this, I get in that headspace a little bit. And I'm like, you know, what would he be feeling like? Because I, I knew, of course, before the show started, what Silas's real name was, uh, you know, knew exactly what was uh, shaking out, you know, uh, who Marion is, you know, all of those things. Right. And so um, it was kind of like there was this moment where I was like, you know, like I think Silas would just blurt this out at some point. And, uh, and, and I really did. I, I also thought like uh, Silas is not a drinker. And one of the reasons that Silas is not actually a drinker is because Adam is not like, I cannot stand the taste of alcohol. Now, don't get me wrong. I eat a lot of food and I drink a lot of sweet tea. And so I do all kinds of unhealthy things. Let's be clear about that. But, um, but I just do not like alcohol. And so I have never been drunk. Like I've never, so I don't have the foggiest idea of what that would actually be like. And so I'm like, I don't, I can't relate to it. And I don't want to try because it might be offensive if I, if I try to do things that, you know, and so, uh, so basically I knew, you know, even going into it that it's like, Hey, you know, there are times where he's going to act like he's drinking um, in order to, you know, uh, because even in real life, when I tell people like I, I don't drink, like I'm out at a party or something, it's like, can I have a cherry coke? I, people think it's like they don't trust me or something, and it's like it's like no, I just really don't like it. So, so well, I was that's like, you know, the cherry coke part. The, the cherry coke, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Do you have some grenadine back there? Um, but um, but basically with that though, um, I knew that there would come some point because this group loves a long rest and a fire, and I knew that there would be some moment where somebody was going to say something that would kind of trigger. And Silas was just going to, you know, logoria, like just vomit out the words, you know? And, uh, and, and so um, I can't even quite remember now as I'm thinking about it, exactly what that thing was. Um, but, but there was something that I was like, Oh yeah, he would probably do it right now because I'm, I'm thinking it's like Silas has been 
isolated by by a large degree for you know two decades at this point and when you have a secret that you're just dying to tell somebody about and you go on for two decades i mean i can't even think of anything that that would apply to in my own life and so i'm like man this would be just burning a hole in his mind and he's got to get this off his chest and so uh so I, I was looking for really just anything that might trigger that found it that night and then i was really really happy that after all that the the other thing that was going to be a little bit of a trigger um alicia with Farusa just launched right into uh and, and she's like now you know any other crimes that anybody should tell us about like has anybody killed anybody and then i'm like well yeah like silas has done that too <laughs> so it was i was able to it was just like a complete avalanche of uh of all of that kind of hitting uh, you know at one point and that was one of the reasons that like after we finished that episode um, no one knew that was coming. I honestly, and again, great thing about these improvisational games, um, did not know it was going to happen then and in that way. But as I was processing it, as we were talking with the cast afterwards, that was where I was like, you know, hey, like I've got a little bit of an idea for recording something on the phone here, um, like Silas would would try to do, and it's a it's a way to help the audience process all that a little bit more and and maybe normalize it slightly that that it's like oh like he he just really wanted someone to know because that was what it was but in this format of playing the game maybe that wasn't fully clear and so the ability to kind of go back and and supplement that in that way uh was uh was a really great opportunity and uh and we we do we want to do more of that as we go and so as we get to some of these other major character moments it might not always be a video on the phone but but just supplemental content in that way to help flesh out what's going on in the story more and more. Chat, you heard it here first from CDO of Demiplane, Adam Bradford, normalize katana-based crime. <laughs> I feel like you might be putting some words in my mouth, but yes, okay, there we go. I heard normalize. I heard it. You heard it at some point and connected it. That's perfect. <laughs> That's like the internet. I love it. It's what Silas would do. That is so, probably true. Yes. The group did not know about this ahead of time. There was this no. was not a dramatic irony for them. No, they they did not know they did not know that about Silas. Um and they did not know that Silas was going to say it in that episode. So so yeah, it was uh, completely out of left field for them. And you know, honestly, um I don't know what is going to happen with you know some of the backstories of of all the characters here but i do know that there are some fascinating things happening just based on the way that when we're having conversations just veiled conversations no one's you know sharing the details of it but these veiled conversations and i can see the the twinkle in everyone's eye and and just the you know wry grin uh kind of edging on the, the the sides of their lips you know all of that uh I've, i think there's going to be some great stuff and it might not be as you know just uh volcanic as uh you know just you know all these weird things that happen with silas but i think that um one of the things that i'm looking forward to is you know some of them are probably going to be really nuanced and 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 there there are some important things coming out there because now you know with silas for instance you understand he's completely in denial even two decades later but he is dealing with post-trauma 
like like for real, you know, and um, and it's like exploring some of that playing these characters. I, you know, I think it's really important. And I, I say this all the time. I think that if everyone in the world played these games, the world would just flat out be a better place. And and, and I think that being able to explore those kind of concepts and um, and do that in a safe place. And, you know, by the way, we are performers, we are players, this is all improvised, and that is not always going to, uh, we're not always going to be able to execute it perfectly and, uh, and, and, and all of those things. But I think the really important thing there is that there is this intention to talk about and work through, you know, important things. And, and I know that even though I don't know what the specifics are for some of the other characters, I know the amount of effort that has gone into thinking through what everyone, you know, who their characters are, what's important to them and what's important for them to, to put out there really, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the messaging um, that, that can happen with a show like this. And I think that, you know, this show has not in the first, you know, 22 episodes or whatever we're on now, it has not shaken out like I, I thought it was going to really, really it, it's pretty drastically different than I thought it was going to go, but that is not a bad thing at all. I think it's a really good thing. And I think what we've got going is something really unique and um, it is a slow burn. Like it absolutely is a slow burn. Uh, but, but that is uh, very unlike other games that I've played in, in the past where it is just kind of like wall to wall, you know, something's constantly happening. This slow burn is something that, I wouldn't typically say that I would be just super into, but, but I am. And I think it's because all the, the uh, players, the, the cast, they are just bringing it every single week. And, um, and, and there's just this energy that, um, that I haven't experienced before in, in one of these games. I find that hard to believe because you provide so much of that energy and for all that you talk about not executing things perfectly improvised storytelling is kind of like parkour you may not land the way you expected but you move that momentum into a role and you keep it moving and this part i love it does wonderful metaphor yes love it hardcore parkour parkour, parkour. but since we we're speaking of the cast uh I want to pull a question from Twitter from Maverick2. Adam, how did you pull together such an amazing cast and show? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that um, I, I have been just so fortunate for the last, you know, gosh, like seven or eight years at this point, um, I used to do something, I used to work in an industry completely unlike. Um, you know, the gaming industry, uh, defense and aerospace, like, uh, you know, NASA related things, th those kinds of things, printed circuit boards. I can tell you so many boring details about, you know, electronics manufacturing. But when I came over into the gaming industry and got involved in, you know, again, this hobby that, I, that I've had for all those years and started working in this industry, I really did when I started out, I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to say no to money, uh, you know, or anything like that, but it's like, you know, money is not everything. Like there's so much more to life and I want to make sure that I am, am doing my best to try to leave something out there. And, and, you know, at that point, like even at the beginning of that, I, I kind of resolved to myself that, look, it is not about, 
necessarily what, you know, I can individually do and, and what I can go out there and create. And I, I have been, uh, you know, fortunate to be able to, uh, to, to work on some really cool things. Like it's been a blast. Don't get me wrong. But, but a lot of it has been, you know, making space for other people that, that I admire and other people who are doing incredible things out there, making that space for them just to be able to continue to be themselves and be incredible and be great and be epic and awesome and, and, and all the things that they are and, and just giving them that opportunity. And, you know, I, I will say a hundred percent of the time in any kind of business that you're doing out there um, that, you know, people talk all the time. They're, they call them the three P's. And I don't know why they call them the three P's because one of them is a T for technology. Sometimes it's called power, but we don't like that word. I don't like that word. So it's like people, processes, and technology is, is, is what they call, uh, talk about there. And, you know, for, for a company to be successful, all three of those things have to be working, you know, pretty well. But over the years, I've just come to realize that the, the people part of that is by far the most important part of those three P's. And if you get the right people on your team, if you get the right people in a cast and just let them do their thing, this is where real magic actually starts to happen. And so with Children of Erte, we were already playing with Heroes of the Plains with many of the same cast members here. I already saw the magic that was coming from, from so many special people, uh, friends at this point. Um, we had also been, uh, you know, talking with Deborah. Uh, Deborah had started running some games on Demiplane. Uh, she reached out to us one day and, and said, Hey, um, I would like to run some games. And uh, she, she's been, uh, she was doing an incredible job with that. Many people out there who are viewers of the show probably played in some of her cardinal adventures. And, uh, you know, uh, she was crafting this incredible, you know, storyline going on there. And, and it kind of came down to a point where, I was like, you know, hey, we're about to transition to the end of this other show. We are going to have a lot more con uh, content on Demi Plane. And by the way, we still are. Like, uh, we, we don't have that many shows right now. We've got big plans as we continue to introduce new games to our, our Nexus platform. Um, but, um, but as we're starting that up, it's like, hey, you know, we want to continue to work with this as much of this cast as we can. Uh, we had a couple of people moving on to, to other uh, cool projects. But, you know, let's continue to work with these very special people and then let's just see what Deborah can do. So when I was I said this earlier, I was not messing around like I don't actually know what's going to happen with Children of Arte. Um, it's just giving Deborah space to build a world and giving this just incredible, amazing cast the ability and, and the space to, to you know work their magic week in, week out. And uh, as I said, it hasn't gone in like I would expect it to. But, um, but that is the thing when you put that kind of trust out there, that it's like, look, we're, we're not dictating how this stuff needs to go. We're, we're just providing the sandbox. And, uh, and, and when you do that, uh, and you have the right people working on the project, this is where you can get sandcastles that you never thought you would see. And that are uh, just you know more unique and, and and more beautiful than you could have ever anticipated. And over the last you know seven or eight years in this industry, I have been really privileged to be able to see that several times. And I think that that's happening again, you know, right before our eyes here with this show. You do such a beautiful job of not only 
playing a support class in character, but being a support class in real life and talking up this cast. Um, but you realize you're part of that magic, right? I have this question from what's their name? Sam DeLev. You realize you're really, really great and a great part of this show too, right? Chat, back me up here because I'm going to demand an answer. You get it. I, I, right? I, I, I do I do appreciate that. And, and again, it, it, it's been a an amazing, incredible ride. And, you know, I, I think about, you know, what's next because, um, you know, I, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And, and I have actually honestly started thinking about like, what does retirement look like for somebody like Adam? And, you know, I, I am fascinated by the answers that mental Adam is giving to, you know, physical Adam. Like I, like I really am like I, you know, and, and it's kind of part of, uh, you know, that that's a little bit of the inspiration for Silas as well. You know, I think about, um, I I've shared this in a couple of interviews, uh, but, uh, Miss Robin, it is so inspirational to, to me to think about, I love the reasons that Hope has talked about uh, for playing an older than her character um, and, and all of those things. And I think that when I was a teenager and I was playing these games, I always wanted to play somebody in my early 20s because for whatever reason, aspirationally, I thought that that was when it happened. That's when life really started. And I remember that when I got into my mid-20s, I started playing characters that at least started, you know, when they're 18 or 19, Luke Skywalker-esque, you know, that that they're going to go out uh, and, and stare at the binary suns with, with the beautiful music fading in the background. Um, and, you know, I it, it's, it's interesting. I didn't think about the psychology behind that at the time, but I find myself now in, in my 40s here and I'm like, what, you know, am I going to play a younger character? And I, I find myself wanting to play older characters and, and I'm trying to like psychoanalyze myself a little bit of, you know, what, what's the purpose there. And I do think that some of it is that I really genuinely believe that best days are ahead. I, you know, and, and that kind of optimism um, is, is going to be hard to, um, you know, stomp out of me. But um, so, so, so there is that, but I also think that there's just something to be said about this concept of, things can get better and some things will not be better um, as, as we all get older out there. But I, I think there is something fascinating about continuing to engage and continuing to have that optimism about what the days ahead look like. And so I do think that um, just, you know, thinking through what uh, it, it's just been a ride. Like, you know, I really could go out tomorrow and, you know, at the pearly gates or whatever, think just, wow, that was, that was just such an incredible life I got to live. And so I do think that, you know, that is so encouraging when you, when you are able to think about it in that way and to think about, you know, what if one day I just want to open a restaurant um, and, uh, and, and, and have, have a pub uh, and a, a tavern and, you know, like uh, Kavoth and uh, King, King Killer Chronicles. And, you know, like those, those are kind of dreams that uh, we can continue to have and, uh, and, and kind of reaching for those things. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot more left with what I would love to do in this industry um, and, and continuing to work there. But uh, but at the same time, man, it's been just such a fun ride. 
And uh, I, I pinch myself, you know, when I started doing this, I used to have a bruise actually, um, you know, on my, my wrist here, where every day driving into the office, I would pinch myself just kind of a little ritual. Um, and, I, and I don't do that any longer, but, but mentally I do it, uh, that, uh, that it, it really has been just a dream and to be able to work with all of these incredible people. Uh, so if you're paying a compliment, I'm acknowledging the compliment. I appreciate that. But at the same time, like in this game that we play, it is about that collaboration and it's about that, uh, you know, the energy and synergy that is happening with everybody as they're coming there. And so all of the people I've been able to meet in, in these last, you know, uh, seven or eight years, it, it really has just improved my life in ways that, that I can't even explain, even though I just tried to for like 10 minutes, however long I just talked. <laughs> you kept saying, I'm thinking about retirement. I'm not spring chicken. Then you said you're in your forties and I want to just lovingly <laughs> mush you into the dirt. <laughs> um, I also think that, that I am paying you a compliment and this is a collaborative medium and part of being good at it is being a good collaborator and you are so compliment judo though you might try to attempt <laughs> it turns out you're still just good at it and there's nothing you can do about it so All we're right. gonna just take up another question rather than get we'll further agree to disagree no into the argument no we're no i'm i'm simply correct and that's perfect we'll agree to agree try. get it it's my show um, <laughs> but we've talked a lot about the bits of Silas that are and aren't in um, Adam. And there are always some pieces of ourselves in our characters because I know I could not supply so many Michael Jordan facts. So of all of the things that you could bring in to like a nerd flavored character, how did you decide to bring that piece in? Well, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to be relatively brief here, but um, I, so when, when I say that I'm a fan of many things, like I am a sports fan. Uh, I, as a kid, I played basketball. I actually, you know, no one believes this today because I am, you know, hundred pounds heavier and everything else. But um, I used to be able to dunk a basketball um, and, and I'm, I'm 5'11", by the way. So, so I'm not, uh, you know, tall, um, but, but I played basketball and it was I ate slept breathed basketball loved it um and uh you know had a chance to play in college and everything else and I, I'll never forget when I went to uh I went to check out the college where they were offering me the scholarship and I shadowed the team for a, a, like a day and they got up at 5 a.m and hit the weight room and, and and basically they went through an entire day and this was like a Tuesday and I was like, wait, like, do you go to class? And they're like, no, we don't really have to do that. And so I, I had a choice at that point is like, well, no, I can do this other scholarship where I don't have to like where I can actually go to class. And so I, I chose that way. And I also knew that, you know, with with my size and everything else, very unlikely I would ever make it to the NBA. So so I, uh, you know, my basketball career ended at that point. But um, but I, I, I love basketball. I uh, watch it. And I, I think, honestly, there is a. Um, I, I like a lot of sports. Like again, uh, you know, Aaron Judge. I, I was just jacked to see that happen tonight. Um, I am a huge Shohei Otani fan. Like I love that guy. Um, and so, uh, you know, lots and lots of stuff that uh, is is going to have a fandom and a passion 
just like I would for the Lord of the Rings or for all these action figures on the shelf. And, and so, uh, you know, there, there are so many great things to be passionate about. And, and honestly, I see a lot of a dichotomy out there where people think that those two things can't coexist and that there can't, there, there's some cultural, you know, threshold that cannot be broken between loving sports and loving some of the, the geekier things. Um, you know, and again, like I don't even necessarily like any of those labels. Right. But, but it's like, um, you know, things that you love, are, are things that you should be happy to love and, and that you should be able to, to really, you know, pour yourself into um, in uh, you know, healthy ways. And so like, I think uh, that for this, I, that was a pretty intentional thing with Michael Jordan. I grew up, um, you know, in the nineties and I was a Michael Jordan fan when they were losing to the Detroit Pistons year after year in the Eastern conference finals and I used to cry when they would get uh, eliminated from the playoffs. And uh, I just remember the first year that they broke through the series against the Lakers and Jordan did his up and under, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's just such, uh, those are such precious memories to me. And so when this stuff happens with Michael Jordan, that is definitely a touch point where it's like, okay, like, Hey, I know all about Michael Jordan. And, uh, and, and so, wouldn't it be funny if in these, you know, scenarios, these horrible life-threatening scenarios um, that uh, this guy is just going on about a basketball player. And for me, it was a way to just inject some sports into, uh, into something where a lot of times people kind of consider sports a little bit off limits because, uh, you know, uh, all the, the memes about sports ball and, you know, just, just all those things. It's like, no, you can like all of these things at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. I agree completely. I've seen quotes defining nerds as people who simply unabashedly, unashamedly love something. And the people I know, the big sports fans or just plain jocks, unabashedly love and by that definition are absolutely within the nerd umbrella that's why i just like the term i i like the term fan and you know of course is coming from fanatic and you know all, all of that and and being a fan is a core part of my identity i am passionate i love so many different kinds of things and um those things have made my they've enriched my life and made my life uh, you know incredible and, uh, and so I can get just as excited when I am sitting in Toyota Field here in Huntsville watching the Rocket City Trash Pandas as our minor, minor league baseball team. I can watch the Rocket City Trash Pandas and just, you know, geek out at, you know, wa watching that game uh, in the same way that I can, you know, back um, in, you know, the early 2000s uh, when I, or maybe mid, Matt, wow. Long, long time ago when I'm waiting in line at GameStop to get Wrath of the Lich King to, to go home and install it as, as soon as I can, you know, so it, those experiences to me are, are comparable. Like, the, like, like they are the same kind of thing because um, it all comes from a place of loving what it is that, that, that you're currently doing. And I think, uh, I think you can be a fan of uh, a variety of different things, you know, and it's, it's the same thing. You know um, my wife is a fan of many things. We don't. We have a Venn diagram naturally, as you can imagine, or we probably wouldn't be married. But um, but 
Um, you know, there are lots and lots of things that she's a fan of that I don't understand why she's a fan of at all, but it's really been important to us. Like we don't, we don't stomp on, on, on any of those things because we recognize that being a fan is a magical thing and it's okay to be fans of things that others, you know, don't necessarily care for. Don't yuck someone else's yum. And then you get the opportunity for them to very excitedly tell you about stuff and just <laughs> to hear That's it. <laughs> So in that vein, Fallen Angel over Twitter mentioned that besides your love of Michael Jordan, comment of comics, and a person who lives in the South, as you just alluded to, how much do you have in common with Silas? Though we know everything, it's all the good stuff. We know it's all the good stuff. <laughs> um, the but they followed up with, what do you admire about this flagrant criminal? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the thing that I admire about Silas at this point, and I think this is important because if this had been asked before we were 22 episodes in, I probably would have had a different answer for Silas. I, I would have said something along the lines of, you know, I, I will probably admire that he's not afraid to, um, you know, jump in head first uh, to, to a situation. And I, and I think he has done that uh, for sure. But I think that the thing that is becoming more apparent that I admire about him at this stage is just that ability. And, and it's very slight. Like, let's, let's not act like, you know, it's been just some, you know, complete uh, about face or anything. But that ability to learn and grow and let others in. And, and this is the thing that I was not anticipating going into it. I knew that he was kind of a loner. Um, but I thought that he would just kind of stay that way for much, much longer. And, and, and there are still those threads of that for sure. But, uh, but I think that, you know, uh, the, the people that he is with right now uh, are, are kind of wearing on him um, and it like in a good way. And, uh, and, and I think he's coming to a level of trust in, in their abilities and their capability, you know, all of those things that um, that actually I admire because, you know, one of the things, um, you know, a lot of people use this in a very bad way, but like, you know, the concept of a shark always swimming forward or otherwise they're going to sink, you know, all, all those things. I think that there are some, some good, you know, lessons that you can take out of that. And I think that, you know, with that, with Silas, there was this concept of like, look, you know, uh, he's been churning water for a long time living in this, anonymity sure he's running this giant comic shop but is that really what uh, does he really care about stuff more than people um you know some of the the subtle threads that are starting to come out there um but but then at this stage he he saw this as an opportunity to just swim and not sink um and and you know very shark-like in that way and i think that some of those edges are starting to to soften and he's starting to understand that he can rely on others. And, and honestly, that's happened way quicker than I as a player thought that that would happen, but it has felt very natural. And so I would say that I really uh, do admire that about him as a character. And these are things, of course, that as a human, Adam would love to think like, oh, I've learned these lessons many years ago, but, but there, there's still things that, that can remind me, uh, you know, uh, and, and I can remind myself of those things. And again, this is why these games are, are truly magical, because those kind of things can happen. 
And I will think about it all night after the session. And I'm like, wait a minute, At, you know, as an actual person, as a human, are there things that I've learned, you know, like in the process of playing this make-believe character? And uh, so frequently that answer comes back of yes. And, um, and, and I do think it makes us better people. That's fantastic. All right, we're just going to end this out with a question from Hope of the Valley. You might Ooh, be familiar. I know her. Hey, you, know what, you know which valley she's talking about there, right? Like it is the Tennessee Valley, I think, anyway, like unless she uh, wants to correct us in chat here. But like um, uh, Hope, Hope and I have a little bit of a Huntsville connection. And that is honestly, uh, she lived here at least briefly at some point. And uh, that was the reason I had a list of people that I was going to call to join what was the first Heroes of the Veil show here. And I saw that she had a Huntsville area code. And I was like, I'm going to call her first. And uh, not because I was wanting to save on long distance charges, but uh, because I was like, oh, I wonder. And sure enough, there was a Huntsville connection there. So didn't even know her before that. And she has become a very dear friend at this point. Well, she also asks great questions, particularly of Silas, purveyor of nerdy goods. Maybe you could recommend for us, what is Silas's favorite board game? Board game? Wow. What a question. I, was, I would not be prepared for that one. You could have asked me almost any other kind of thing. I would say for a board game, Silas is probably going to be a little older school um, with, with some of that. And I would imagine that Silas has a very well-worn copy of Risk from many, many years ago that he used to play with his pops uh, when he visited him that, um, that he would, uh, you know, think is, is probably the best thing. And he would probably say, you know, many of the newer versions of Risk are, you know, too watered down and you should, you should go back, uh, you know, to the original vintage Risk and play it that you owe it to yourself. And indeed, Risk is his business, but our business for the night is concluded. Don't forget to tune in here at RPG next week for all of the magic you've heard about here on Children of Airte. Thank you again so much, Adam. It is an absolute delight to have you. Please stay away from Katanas. Well, well so, so, so here's, here's the other thing that I want to say, yeah. because we have done an entire cycle through every member of the yeah. cast now, and I am not completely certain that, Sam, you have gotten to take a proper bow yet, but you have been absolutely killing it as the host of this show. Thank you so much for everything that you have done. Round of applause and all of the things. Thank, thank you. And so chat, like pour out some love there, Sam, they are the real deal. And so, so thank you, Sam. Well, how dare you here on my own show? I suppose I have many more warnings for you, but you should all have someone in your life who hypes you up the way Adam Bradford does and go see Adam Bradford doing things and creating beautiful collaborative magic next week on Children of Airte. But until next time, we're going off the Airte. Later, Gators.
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Arte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.